my own gums. What is happening, my mates? I'm Thomas Griffin. This is my own gums. Our guest this week is Oyeluki Luke Butler. I fucking love this dude. Luke is a super thoughtful, adventure-minded content creator who loves his clothes. I've met him a handful of times in real life, but we've been chatting about gums on the internet for ages now. He works predominantly in the kind of cool outdoorsy type sector, collaborating on content with brands like Cotopaxi, Size, Carrier Goods, and loads, loads more. He's got a real solid eye for what people and brands want to see online, and is, in my opinion, one of the most coherent, mindful, and fun wearers of garments on my IG feed. If this app tickles your tummy, then please send it to a pal. It'd be massively, massively helpful for us. Big thanks to everyone who's helped us so far. We are massively in your debt. Right, let's crack on. This is my own garments with Luke Butler. Luke, welcome to my own garments. Thanks for having me, mate. How have you been? Good, yeah. Wet? Wet, a little damp, yeah. What happens? You ran from work and got caught in a yeah, yeah. storm. But we were saying, you know, sometimes when you wear Gore-Tex coats, you've got to do Gore-Tex things. Indeed, now and again. mate. Yeah. You've got to walk the walk. Exactly. So let me start off with this question. You are a well-travelled individual. Have you been away anywhere nice recently? Because it seems like your excursions to the far corners of uh, the UK and probably Europe are getting a little more frequent. So have you been on any excursions recently? Yeah, so recently I've been um, kind of up and down to the lakes and Wales on these kind of camping trips. Um, the other day I just went on my own solo. I, I hitched a ride up with Amber, my girlfriend, to Sheffield. And then I um, I just got the train out up to the lakes from there without a car. So I just had to do everything kind of on foot and get as far as I could really, like on public transport and stuff like that, which was quite a challenge in itself. I just did a bit of solo wild camping just to sort of clear the head. And then the other day I was out with Amber in Wales, kind of doing a late winter wild camp as well, up in um, just outside Ogwin Valley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, just outside Bethesda. Um, that's like uh, the Slate Mine region, it. isn't it? Fucking yeah. stunning, man. Just so outside beautiful. the valley. It's beautiful. The blue of that water mm. that you get in that mine is just like... Uh, is it the Slate that does that? It must be some kind of mineral compound that changes it, because I've seen it... In fact, I went walking up there myself a couple of weeks back, and the, even the streams that run in at the side have got that like turquoise topazy tinge to him yeah, yeah it's sick man so yeah. beautiful looks great on pictures as well but um yeah i feel like i've created a bit of a rod for my own back because like, i'm styling myself this kind of outdoor fashion guy and i live like two hour drive from any kind of peaks or mm. nature but i still try and get out at least once a month yeah even in the winter months when it is more um, difficult to motivate yourself to do it. It is. I think once you've got the kit and you've invested in enough stuff to keep you warm, that's one thing. But then it's like it, you get to four o'clock and it's getting dark and it's like, what am I going to do with my mm. evening? You can't start a fire. So like... You fucking can, man. Well, <laughs> on the DL. Yeah, yeah. I know I what mean, you mean, though. You're not meant to. Yeah. I, w I wouldn't want to put that on the ground. I'd get a lot of stick for that. Yeah. Because it's it's it goes against, you know... Yeah, no trace. I went I out wild camping, lit a fire. The fire didn't burn down the in entire side of a hill, 
but mm. the next day the entire side of the hill that I was on did burn down <laughs> and I was looking I was like fuck man was that me it's like <laughs> it definitely wasn't me I definitely put it out uh, but I'd, I'd put it on the gram because I don't really care to be honest um, yeah I'd, I'd do it if I was like secluded away in a wood or something yeah. but like probably not on on the hills on the it's just setting a setting a bad example <laughs> I'm all for bad examples yeah yeah I'd love to, I've not done a proper Lake District wild camp but my ideal is being on one of those like stony tarn mm. beaches and having a kind of like on the rocks beach fire. I think that's mm. an archetypal camp dream that I've had yeah. for a long time. Or even on an island in the middle of the lakes. Yes. That'd be incredible. I was almost in that situation the other day where it's like a peninsula that went out. But it was like, I love how sort of naturally short all the grass is it comes really mossy and it's mm. almost like a putting green you know it's super smooth yeah you know oh, beautiful man you yeah. paint a good picture with your words luke <laughs> your ig is popping off at the moment like the last year or so what have you two mm. two x in a year maybe yeah Ish. i think it's been yeah it's, it's certainly been in the last year things have gone a bit gone a bit mad yeah yeah it's consistent high quality garment related output the uh the pics are always fire the captions are even more so i'd say thank you um but it looks like you're working with some amazing brands mm. now tell us a little bit more about that i've been posting about clothes and stuff like that from the jump you know since like 2014 since mm. i got instagram but there was never any like content strategy behind it you know i never had the idea to just like if i'd have just got a camera or something and invested in some kit and thought oh, i'm gonna do this like as a blog or whatever yeah then maybe i would have sort of seen some kind of traction but i wasn't really in that mode like did I wasn't, that did that mode even exist at that time was the people, people it's kind of proto influencer yeah, era, that's it? it but like blogs Bl yeah. blogs were were a thing influencers no people weren't getting paid to like post about stuff and it was pure passion project you kind of yeah there were so many people that were, I, were, I were following at that time that were like i don't know just like to post their jeans or whatever it was like like you say a passion project but it's only been in the last year that like the brands have started getting involved and i think that was when i was kind of posting more in the outdoor space yeah because i think they saw that there was a bit of a movement happening then and you know they wanted to be part of that you know about a year ago it was it was there was much more of a sort of a community aspect of sharing your adventures and there was a lot of accounts kind of featuring you know featuring people and that 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 helped you kind of discover other like like-minded people as well yeah i think that that definitely did it that me kind of venturing into that world a little bit and what brands specifically came a knocking what what felt what felt like a big thing for you which brand that came along and said I mean, we want you to do something for us you know it didn't matter who it was if if anyone was gonna like, kind of gonna get into my dms at that point that was that was huge i think um columbia were the first one yeah to, and i gotta admit actually i turned them down the first time i can't really remember why um i can't remember what they were offering i don't know whether it was a kind of a gifting thing but maybe I was just a little shook by it. Yeah, it just felt a bit too f fresh, like... Yeah, but I, I just started saying yes, yes more, and kind of saying yes to everything. I think as soon as brands see that you are the guy to go to for that, mm. and the quality of the stuff that you put out, you know, it becomes a more appealing collaboration. Yeah, I've addressed, you know, the, the, the thought that, oh, as soon as you start working with brands, like, what are you you're selling out, or whatever, but it's like, 
what do you have to sell in the first place? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like I've been posting about clothes and giving brands free promo for best part of 10 years. So yeah. Like, you know, why not? When they, when they start getting in touch, why not start doing it? But yeah, I think it was Crack Hoppers that first reached out and then just offered me and Amber free reign of the Crack Hoppers website. It's nice to see. I love it when you go on adventures with Amber. It's dead cute. Like, yeah, yeah. But there's a few kind of <laughs> outdoor power couples about it, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. But I think, yeah, that's a particular marketable but, thing. But I, I, the cliche is the kind of like wanderlust. Yeah. Hashtag yeah. wanderlust, holding hands. Have you ever done the, 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 uh, the dancing stick. lift on the beach? So, yeah, yeah. All that. Uh, <laughs> filming me doing backflips and, you know, like. Yeah. Can you? Skinny dip it, no. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've always wanted to kind of avoid that slightly yeah. corny using like library music and, yeah. you know, jingly jangly uh, ukulele. Song selection is always on point, by the way. Like, I do enjoy the juxtaposition of the outdoors with a kind of, you know, we've talked about burial before. Like, yeah. What a soundtrack to anything that. Sometimes is. it's like, it depends on the mood let me tell you one that really really affected me when you went to the Dolomites mm. you put on a piece of film score soundtrack to that 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 huge pan up shot of oh, the uh, hereditary oh um, dude when I went to the Dolomites soon after yeah. I made sure that when I was like viewing massively sublime beautiful epic scenery that that was the actual soundtrack that I was listening to because <laughs> of that yeah it took on a different quality because that, that in the film that's like a really um, yeah, it's a spooky moment what's the piece and what's the film sorry Colin Stetson is the composer yeah and it's called I think it's called Hail Payment and Payment is a demon um, that kind of comes out at the end of that film and um, it's meant to be beautiful and terrible at the same you know at yeah. the same time stunning but, um, piece of music and a stunning but image. it worked I'd yeah. seen it a lot used a lot on kind of memes of like people having their mind blown so I thought that's that's yeah that's appropriate top selection mate mm. rep your ends take us back to where you grew up which is Hertfordshire right mm. tell us a bit about that place what kind of clothes you'd expect mm. to see people wearing there and yeah. how much you think that place has rubbed off on you so yeah I grew up in Hemel Hempstead in Hertfordshire, a town not really known for too much other than it's got a, a ski centre and um, there was a gas explosion there in 2006. <laughs> Were you there then? I was at a sleepover. I slept through the explosion. Um, but, um, oh no, we've got, a gold, we've got a gold medalist gymnast now, I think. You know, I think we've still got the, the gold railway sign. Home counties, so not far from London, but kind of too, too far in those days to kind of feel its influence. Yeah. Not the most open-minded place, I would say, in the sort of mid-2000s when I was kind of coming up. You'd go into town and the, 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 your town centre hasn't really changed. It's, it's always had a JD, a JJB, a Sports Direct. and The then, Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity, yeah. Um, and then eventually, you know, a top man, a top shop. But there was that, that was it. Yeah. It didn't get like a H&M or whatever until many many years later until sort of the 2010s so I think when I was sort of hitting puberty I was I was trying to pit, fit in 
kind of after after my initial like AJ Soprano phase of like wearing like slip knot slip knot <laughs> tees and like you know J fake JNCOs. We've all been there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of covered your covered your feet and would like soak up puddles and yeah, you, know, you had your Velcro wallet and all that. So what once I kind of get got out of that, I think that's when I really started caring about clothes. But I was trying to fit in, you know, within the confines of those places. So you know, like. I was trying to look like Jay-Z from the Dirt Off Your Shoulder video. So What's that fit? He was wearing a lot of dress shirts, like pin, like pinstripe. Okay. Big dress shirts with obviously like ice and then like um, sort of acid wash denim, straight leg with mm. like really white tennis shoes. Like yeah. Trainers like so kind Lacoste. of um, preppy influence, but still yeah. a bit girl fabulous at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Watch so like, by the way, banger. Yeah, so I'd sit and watch like MTV Bass and, you know, that's kind of who I, I wanted to kind of aspire to. But even then I was trying to subvert it a little bit. So I'd wear like the pink polo, kind of. you know, which kind of felt quite brave yeah. to be doing then. Absolutely, pink was a statement in 2000. You'd get some, yeah, you'd get some grief at school for wearing pink, but it, I, I felt, you know, I felt like that guy when I was, you know, popping my collar. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the options were like... Yeah, white trainers, with either with Velcro straps or, you know, lace-ups. So was school kind of defined by trying to fit in, oh, a, yeah. but also trying to stand to, out? To a, a look, point. Like, yeah. stand out within the confines of, within the, the realms of fitting inness. Uh, yeah, I knew, stand it, out, not too I knew at that point that, like, yeah, I wanted to fit in and not get bullied, but, like, yeah. I, I, I knew I didn't want to, like, kind of dress like everyone else. Did you get shit for how you dressed then? Oh, totally. But, like, I, I've rolled with it and kind of... I'd take the piss out of myself first as a defence yeah. before anyone else could. Do you know what I mean? I was, I, was, I was that kind of kid, really, so I didn't really have a, an ego. Um, so, yeah, that was that. And then it kind of... Indie came along, which was, like, quite a big influence. Is that when Topshot really came into play? Yeah. And I was, I feel like I was the first kid in my, certainly my year to get skinny jeans. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like gray, gray on skinnies from Topman, Watford, and um, some sort of fake, like knockoff vans with like paint on them. And you'd get those um, two for 10 t-shirts, you yeah. remember them? How, the V-neck. V neck. Yeah, I was going to say, how deep did you go V neck wise? Deep. And then you'd roll up the, the sleeves as well. Sure, if you'd, so you'd have string like, bean arms. Um, yeah, yeah. And then like very f kind of flicky, yeah. bouffanty um, do. How but are yeah, you doing chest hair wise? Oh, I'm still almost bald. Almost completely bald. Yeah. And at yeah. the time, I, I was imagine. a late bloomer. I feel like I still am. Like, I can't grow a beard you know <laughs> but so. some people with a smooth face often erupt below the neckline no, but no. those v-neck things you never you were never sprouting like hairless youth <laughs> no. did you ever have one of the top man t-shirts that was and i think these are possibly the most offensive piece of item of clothing i've ever come across but like jumpers with a sewn in t-shirt neckline underneath uh no. Oh man, super, super bad. The the baseball V-necks with the that used to kind of have a couple of buttons. Yeah. They were the worst offenders for me. They're two for ten. They're like the Hen Henley. Henleys, but like also V-necks okay. as well. And they were just really pushing them. They were pushing the two for ten. Yeah. 
and it was like a psyop. I was like, why am I? <laughs> why am I? And you'd, you'd layer like two different colours up and then roll the sleeves. Okay. Yeah, the sleeve roll was massive, man. Like, none of us had biceps back then as well. Yeah. But that's the look, I suppose. Like, skinny. Yeah, to be kind of a waif. Yeah. yeah. Heroin sheet. Yeah. But like, very clean. Very damaging, isn't it, for yeah. children? So London's where you live now. Yeah, it's 2015. I moved to London on my 25th birthday. Yeah, and obviously this is a massive metropolis. Like mm. with, I don't know, I've been to a few cities around the world, probably none as big as London, but mm. the variety and the kind of different places to tap into fashion-wise seems second to none to me. Yeah. Like, is that something that was a shock to you when you first moved here? You were, you no, were into clubs like, at the time. Like London was, always, as I say, London was always the source you know, for me as a kid growing yeah. up, but even though it was only half an hour away, it felt like, you know, miles and miles. And you'd get kids that would come in, you know, one of my best mates um, came from London and joined our school and he, he basically brought was he new rave right. and like indie and it kind of exploded, you know. In our, from, that, in our, from that singularity, just like... He was like an alien kind of landing. And um, obviously like, yeah, indie came, but also like to a lesser extent, grime, like would kind of seep out into the to the suburbs mm. to the home counties as well and that was that was a big influence not so much like on how i dress but like you know yeah on our all our, our kind of attitudes and stuff okay so you were listening to bbk and dressing dandy yeah 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 okay i think bashy I'm having... and dizzy rascal and <laughs> yeah yeah icons man like and looking back at the stuff that they were wearing then it's still super informative of what, mm. like I've been chatting to this guy in Leeds called Adam. He runs a super like specifically curated vintage shop where they sell pretty much Averex leathers mm. and a lot of like they're, they're so sought after now, man. And that's what the grind videos were back yeah. then, like Dizzy and Averex. Yeah, I think it gets referenced in a million and one grime tunes. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you never felt the need to venture that that route. No, no, I was always kind of, like I say, like kind of preppy, soft, kind of hip-hop influence, never really, never really grime. No. Yeah, it sounds like when you describe the school where that's not something you look back on too fondly, the kind of Topshop 2 for £10 era, mm. when was the first time that you really felt like you were finding your own feet with fashion? Mm. It was around that time of kind of indie, you know, popping off and like YouTube was just taking off around 2006. So that really broadened the horizons of what you could draw on. Yeah. And I was really digging into, I'd obviously, I'd been a Bowie fan since I was like 11 years old and he was a massive influence on me, especially with like pushing boundaries and subverting stuff and being bold and being kind of fearless. Mm. I think it did, did rub off on me quite a lot. I think around that time I was doing a lot of sort of thrifting, I guess, Charity shopping, yeah, called it then. <laughs> yeah, um, occasional kind of runs into London to sort of Camden Town, like because that's all you knew about London. Like you, like you know, you didn't even know about Brick Lane really. Mm. You'd kind of go, <laughs> you'd go to Camden. I think, I think when I visited London for the first time, that was where I went. It was the one you'd heard of. I'd, yeah, and if you were a, at all like an alternative kid, you knew that you could get band t-shirts, yeah, kind of shit. But it was it was good then. Um, is it not, not now? I don't know. I feel like maybe you kind of outgrow that yeah. level of like vintage. I think it was more more exciting then. I got some 
I got some crazy stuff there that I don't think you could necessarily find now. Mm. One thing that springs to mind is a like a satin bomber jacket in sort of blood red with a, a, like a ninja on the back. Wow. Yeah, like a proper Mortal Kombat. Have you still got it? Illustrated. No. You know, you have these times where you just like, oh, I don't, don't need that anymore. Yeah. You, you don't appreciate, you know, what you're kind of letting go of or like that that was a time in your life. But um, it was very Vince Noir inspired mighty bush right, right okay he's flamboyant and yeah so I, I was i was pretty much a, a little vince noir at that point okay. i had i had like had a mullet with like a blonde blonde highlights in and had that bomber jacket with like dead skinny jeans and like chelsea boots or like beetle boots i bet he looked incredible i i do yeah some of those pictures i'm like yeah that, that stands up I don't want to gloss over this uh, mod influence mm. thing because I find it interesting. I tried being a mod for about mm. maybe six months or something yeah. like that. I got the I got the fringe. Yeah, I got uh, Aquascutum trench coat yeah. that turned out to be cursed. Yeah, but um, it didn't really fit for me. But one thing I did really feel in that scene was. Um, an affinity from other men. Mm. Uh, I remember being out on a st the street in Liverpool, like turned up, drain pipe jeans. I think I had a like a red cashmere sweater on, an aquascute and trench. And I remember these two other guys coming up the street who were more obviously than me mods, just stopping and going, "Mate, you look fucking incredible. Yeah, you look right. Really, really good." And yeah. honestly, I glowed for a month like, yeah. after it. And I think there's I something about mean. the mod thing specifically. A bit of camaraderie, yeah. And I think it causes men to congratulate other men at a time where they probably wouldn't have done that. No. Uh, or like engage that, on them on an aesthetic but, level. But that bleeds into casual as well. Yeah. You know. It, yeah, it does. It does. Massively with from like trainers to sort of CP and stony jackets and things like that. It feels good but, though, doesn't uh, it? It does. Sometimes it's kind of furtive, you know, it's like you don't want to come out and just compliment someone, but other times. I know what you mean though, and I, I'd never really experienced that. Either. Did you not? No. I really no one just no one was into clothes really like that i think in my my small group at school we got quite into it but um so what was the, what was the mod era for you how did that look because it's quite a broad mm, brush a broad church there's, there's suppose, a standard kind of uniform of like the mod that the paul weller haircut mm. <clears throat> the parker uh like a fred perry or like a bet german or something like that um i tried to mix it with a few different influences i went like i bought i got this i got a suit but i went quite deep into tailoring and stuff and, and, and a period tailoring as well. I said that I've got a Hardy Amy's suit and Sounds Hardy expensive. Amy's. No, it was, it was, again, it was eBay. Yeah. It must've been a three piece for 50 quid and um, proper wool suit and just had the sharpest front sort of crease pleat. Um, quite short, probably shorter than it should have been, but like I wore them with like Chelsea boots and it, it worked. Um, sort of shoulder pad action as well. But um, apparently, and then I showed it to my dad or my stepmom at the time. And she said, oh, I know Hardy Amy's. He used to make, used to make dresses for the queen or like, I, and I learned it was like, a, you know, a bit Heritage an established, yeah, an yeah. established designer. So you mentioned your, your dad there. Mm. Like I get the impression that he's a well-dressed dad. He is. And yeah. what does he wear and how much of an influence has he had on you? Yeah, so early early on, um, 
when I was quite young, I'd kind of, I just remember like, like really baggy white tracksuit, you know, tracksuit pants. This is what he was wearing or what you were wearing, sorry? Uh, he was wearing. Yeah. Like stuff he would wear to squash. Right. Kind of stands out. So like a big fleece with like baggy, you know, baggy tracksuit bottoms and um, Nike infrared. Okay. Uh, Air Max 90s, Mad. which I just thought were like futuristic. futuristic. You know, like Ned Flanders' assassin shoes yeah, in uh, yeah, Simpsons. Yeah. So it's like, psh, psh. <laughs> I just used to covet those and I'd squeeze into, like, squeeze into them. I'd, I'd can't try and put them on even when, you know, they were two sizes too uh, big for me. Um, but yeah, I was obsessed with those. I think those trainers in particular looked just like they were beamed in from another dimension in 100 years in the future. 1990, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. They came out. Nuts. Dude, they looked so busy. Boom. Wow. Mm. Man, that's pretty. I imagine if you still had them now. Well, I've got my own pair from what I got from when I was at uni. Um, and they're just my beaters now. I drive in those. Yeah. They're super, super comfy for driving in. So that's what I remember him is sort of like, yeah, gym squash kit and then sort of like collarless very 90s looks of like collarless shirts with like waistcoats and things like that but then I, f I think it's fair to say he had some fallow years between kind of my idealized version yeah. of him when growing up and when you when you're dad in full time like you can't really yeah cop, can you? for sure and then um sort of in his kind of in middle age he's like massively got back into his gear again why not man if you've got this it's first time in your life you've probably got a bit of decent dough that's it and you've got the time like yeah. look flying and now we talk about it a lot you know so what does he wear these days uh, a lot of sort of barber jackets rm williams like blundstones yeah things like that he's a landscaper so he okay. wears a lot of practical gear yeah um, he's in better shape than me. So he's a very, very rugged looking bloke. Yeah, he looks great. I've seen a few yeah. pictures when you've posted. How similar are you in sizes? Like, are you, you going to inherit? He's, he's a little bit shorter than me and he's, I, but I used to borrow his shoes a lot. Mm. Borrow, I used to nick his Thank shoes. You. I mean, he'd have these like um, double strap, no, single strap, like blood red monk shoes. Uh, Oxblood, yeah, and with kind of brogue detail, and I'd wear those to school. Sick man. With like either my suit and tie, and with a with an overcoat, army surplus overcoat over the top, and that was like my mod look. Yeah, you know? and was your dad in, was your dad influenced by the mod scene himself? No, I really wanted him to come out with some. Yeah. I think it was slightly. He's sold my bot in that because he was nineteen fifty five. I think it was slightly uh, before his time. Yeah. It's not teenage, by much yeah. but like yeah i think he was sort of going into the the discos and the almost like northern soul that's but i don't think interesting fashion choices there as well yeah yeah that's not me so you luke have been a dedicated fashion fan for a long time i've seen you post about copying stuff recently mm. and i think i'm referring specifically here to the nanamica do you say Nanamika or Nanamika? Nanamika, yeah. Nanamika, Gore-Tex coat that you've got on there, you've had your eye on for literally 10 years, been on your Pinterest yeah. board. What's the biggest kind of fashion fail era for you? So it sounds like the mod thing worked and was dead exciting. Is there anything you look back on other than your AJ Soprano era? Yeah, think, nah. I mean, there's always going to be those, you know, eras you look, the blunder years that you look back on and go, yeah, what was I thinking? But like, it's not something you regret. 
you kind of have to it's go. It's all part of the curve. Exactly. You have to go through that. And there are, th- there are things that spring to mind, like we- wearing cowboy boots to school was probably like as bold as it got. Uh, <laughs> so where did you get your cowboy boots from? Is this an eBay? eBay. I went through like a few pairs um, to, to get it right. I don't know what I had in my mind, but yeah, it was a very much Vince Noir influence kind of... Uh, what kind of heel? Which Cuban heel. Yeah? Yeah. There was a picture of Bowie that I had stuck on my wall where he's got this like sh- short cropped bomber jacket with a fur collar and these like skinny jeans and like two st- studded belts. And he's just like hitting that pose. And I thought that's the coolest shit ever. I want to recreate that. So that that I think that was my main... You know, pin before Pinterest. It's amazing, but, amazing yeah. how mindful you were of like creating fashion at the time. I don't think there's yeah. many 16, 17, 18 year old kids that had put the kind of the specific time into curating, yeah. putting something Depends together. Who you're into, like if you are into David Bowie and you and he is your hero, mm. your icon, you're gonna that's gonna rub off on you. Yeah, man. And then yeah, like later it was like post punk or or sort of you know Iggy Pop or Richard Hell and the Voidoids and I got in in a, a fit of like uh, <laughs> kind of like punk uh, rebellion just like shaved the side of my head for no reason it looked like absolute shit I looked like I was having an operation lobotomy <laughs> oh, oh, style yeah yeah I'd wear like a crombie coat and yeah DMs and stuff like that but um, no like it's all been part of the same experimental trajectory, really, yeah. rather than a kind of blunder. No fails. I think, like, looking looking back through what I wore at uni, like, I'd just be wearing very practical stuff to kind of go raving in, basically. Mm. I'd just wear, like, Air Maxes and and sort of fitted snapbacks. Still, still pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, size was, like, my... Like, I'd go in size and just want, you know... Big up them guys. I know. Hold tight, my employer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's chat about eBay a little bit. Have we chatted about looking at the dates, joined joined in on eBay? I think mine's 2004. I think I've been a wow. member since 2004. You've got a few years on me then. Well, I've got a few years on you age-wise, yeah. so it's not quite exact science. Um, yeah, so I must have joined eBay in 2007, and I was, mm. just, I was just on a rampage. Man. I think I wanted to be like an eBay seller. Like, I wanted my own sort of vintage store. My first foray into it was... Uh, selling Abercrombie and Fitch coats that I imported wholesale from America. I got a job lot of like eight wow. and sold them and it felt great. A proper hustle then. I think I might have done two batches where I imported and made a little bit, but not enough to justify the time and effort of doing it. Yeah. But eBay for a fashion conscious and fashion curious teenager mm. at the time was like just a playground. I remember buying Spurs off it's similar to your cowboy boots i bought the the brass spurs i didn't have any cowboy boots so i used to wear them on the back of um, adidas like basketball trainers <laughs> for college Whoa. man like outrageous looks like yeah. completely you just try and shit at that age but i think yeah the breadth of stuff that was available to you after only living in a small town mm. was just exciting to me did you feel similar to that like worlds opening up in front of you 100 percent, 100 percent going into yeah go like i said going into camden and 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 digging through you know vintage shops and stuff like that was was eye-opening but even stuff i'd find in in town in the charity shops was just mm. like you know i think i bought a okay go on a lederhosen hat 
like a proper uh, Austrian with the badges and everything. Nice. Feather. But I kind of wore it at a rakish an- angle, kind of like, you know. There was quite an era of like rakishly angled trilbies and um, hats. Kind of pre like neckbeard, uh, you know, when trilbies were cool. <laughs> yeah. Trilbies were cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> still had a little bit of, yeah. I'm fair. I think I had a tweed one, actually. Yeah, yeah probably an I era I'd rather a forget. A pork pie hat, like a, a straw pork pie hat I had. I got a pork pie hat made to size off a woman on eBay called Jill. <laughs> Something, I've still got it at home, it's beautifully made. Yeah. I paid like 50 quid for a bespokely measured tan leather pork pie hat. Yeah. Definitely Brad Pitt and Snatch inspired. Yeah, yeah. Is there any item of clothing that you wore as a kid or a teenager that you'd still wear now? Is there anything that's just transcended the ages? Literally, this tootle scarf was formed the basis of a lot of my kind of modern skinhead looks. And this was given to me by a good friend's mum, who's no longer with us. So I think it's also got that sort of sentimental attachment as well. But it's just quality. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. I don't know how old it is. but um, yeah. Silk. Silk, yeah, tootle, which was, of course, like quite a big kind of mod nice man yeah so what if you had that for like 15 years maybe yeah probably like 2008 2007 it's good to live with things for that long they like become a part of you yeah i think it goes with the like the kind of needles look as well for real man fire fit thank you yeah i was i i I wasn't sure about the jacket i kept it on its hanger with um the The labels yeah i've done that with needles as well it's like it was a small one. It was the only one they had left. So I was like, I wasn't convinced that it fit me properly. I was like, to the un- uninitiated, it might look like I've got a Claire's accessory <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> or, you know, I've gone to Monkey or something. But of course, our eyes are trained. Indeed. And, uh, we know better. We've seen, um, that, I've seen that I think it's got, enough, it's got enough detail on it to kind of, you know, these pleats. The pleats are the blonde, man. And I don't usually go for stuff that's like, either pre-distressed or pre-customised, but I've started to, you know, add add my little flourishes to it. Yeah, I've got my little badge. A little industry joke for you there. What's this say? A good pun is its own reward. Okay. Reward. <laughs> the pun, you're the pun master, mate. Yeah. Having been fully into, would you describe yourself as into clothes? Mm, yeah. Nothing you are. I am. Uh, for more than a decade, can you tell me and some of our younger listeners a little bit about the kind of pre-Insta online spaces mm. that inspired you and that you were part of as a yeah. youth? I guess you're, you're talking sort of, yeah, early early Instagram before it was, you know, before the Explore page was a thing, certainly. And you'd, you'd have to really, like, discover people, you know, to find those kind of hobbyists and, and people blogging and things like that. But I was doing a lot of, a lot of kind of digging every day on various blogs four pins was a massive one that i'd check into so this is something i've heard people reference but i never did yeah. that at that time like what was uh, i get uh, i think lawrence from throwing fits uh, ran it okay um and would would occasionally write a blog post but there was like a team of writers there was one guy called john moy who would kind of make every make every kind of blog post uh, about an item of clothing into a story you know rom- romanticize it in a way that i just absolutely loved in the same way that like oi polloi makes these like deck outs and you know gives them a story and puts a character behind them which i love all that and i feel like i try and emulate that now in what i do when i when i kind of write about stuff 
you know, I, I, it's rare that I just buy something just because there's always like a reason or a story behind it. Blogs like Four Pins, you know, High Snobiety and Hype Beast to a lesser extent just for kind of news and commentary. I thought the chat rooms on there, the comment sections on there were like wild toxic and like, that, like every every post had like 30 comments on it and it was just people like shitting on each other. Yeah. And that was just entertaining, but also just to keep across the kind of broad were you uh, a stuff. comment space lurker? Or Absolutely you a... a lurker, yeah. yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm not someone that gets into the fray because I, you know. It hurts you. It, yeah, I'm too soft. Yeah, Reddit, not so much. You know, I didn't get onto the sort of male fashion advice stuff. <laughs> um, that was very like, did you ever frequent that space? No, I, I think I have seen male fashion advice mm. as a thing. Um, yeah. Maybe it it's popped up when I was on search. It was all like on APC jeans. Yeah. Um, common projects were just like, yeah, you know, the the thing. If you had a pair of common projects, you were like that guy. Yeah, this is Sam Smithy looking ones, isn't it? Well, they've just been copied so many times yeah. now. They just look like low profile, smart leather yeah. trainers, and they were well made, but like they're kind of boring. Just yeah, the, you know, hyped. Um, so yeah, that sort of thing. But then digging a bit deeper, I really like. I was looking at the kind of lookbooks for independent stores, I think were really influential. So I mentioned Oi Polloi. Yeah. The copy on there particularly yeah. is just, it's so stylized, you know it instantly. Yeah. It's something I've always, I've always tried to, you know, emulate a little bit. Stylized, as you say, and relaxed and just, and funny as well. Mm. Um, and kind of talks about clothes in a very self-aware, I guess, kind of way. Because it, it does run the risk of becoming pretty self-indulgent. Not self-indulgent, yeah. just fucking boring, to be honest. Like, yeah. sometimes it's just, yeah, talking about fabrics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Whilst it might be excitable to a, a minority, most people don't want to wear yeah. it, do they? Yeah. Blokes that like dressing up. That's I think that's how they described it a few years ago. It's just <laughs> like that slightly furtive kind of like... So those sorts of, like, lookbooks and staff looks, I think, were a big thing. And then... Even deeper down the iceberg, it was like going onto the Beams Japan website and going on the staff's looks because that was like looking into the future, mm. you know, and I'd just be pinning like every other look. Because that's what you're doing on Pinterest, is it? I've never been a Pinterester, but I know you're yeah, things on it. Yeah, I was massively into it, like sort of 2014, 15, I'd be pinning like 100 plus things per season. And that's just slowed right down as I get older and I, you start to just you start to get the things that you've been covered in all those years. And like, it's like, I don't, I don't want for as much as I used to. So the first few things that you mentioned were quite word based. Instagram's obviously a very visual platform as a, a lot of the other social media ones at the moment, but your copy is something that's always stood out to me. Your job, you do that kind of thing. Mm, for, so, go on, tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So I'm a copywriter and advertising creative. So, yeah, so the, the, the captions for me are just like, you know, it's, 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 it's practice. I, I, I don't get to write like that in my day job. So it's just like a bit of an outlet really for me. And yeah. it's, but it, more than that, it's a way to hone my, I guess, short form storytelling as well. Because you can't go, you know, I write long captions, but I'm writing about sometimes like trips that are over several days, you know, mm. I'm, I'm kind of writing a, a short like journal. So brevity but keeping it kind of exciting is something I always strive for but um, I think being part of working in advertising I think has helped a lot with once brands start 
getting involved and you know knowing knowing your worth knowing like how much things cost and just knowing the language mm. and you know about deliverables and just like you know u- usage rights and things like that things that you know a lot of these brands are approaching uh, kids that don't you know haven't haven't worked in this area or or have never done any kind of brand work before and they do they take advantage sometimes yeah. you know why and why wouldn't you try and get someone to kind of do something for free um if you feel you have that that power as a as a brand but i think it's helped me a little bit to kind of and don't get me wrong i've done stuff for less than i should or like you know what i mean i don't think i've been taken advantage of yeah. by by any you know yeah you certainly went once they first start getting in contact you get you get a little bit not starstruck but like flattered flattered yeah and you, you kind of you'll do anything yeah um, but i think it's it's certainly helped um, my job to kind of know what you you're dealing with in terms of like shoots and yeah stuff like that you know that um urban outfitters job that i did was like a proper you know i felt like i produced it you know yeah. at the end of the day i think that's the thing with content creators you are doing the job of what would have been six people a crew Precisely. and you're yeah, yeah you know if you can pass that saving on if you can do it for half the price that it costs the crew you should be still getting paid a decent whack for it mm-hmm. i think you're the, the total package you know you've the, the copy that you write it's got your own voice in it mm. it's authentically you mm. um and it just works it's dead buyable into i suppose like everyone get in touch with luke <laughs> line his pockets <laughs> Thank you. I, I do it for for myself almost like to to me if if like no one if one person reads the whole thing the whole yeah. caption and or like engages with it and comments it on it that that's great. Um, my favourite thing about all of this is chatting to people still. Oh, that's nice. it is it is and and like nerding out over the the clothes and or whatever whether it's the outdoor stuff the the kit. Um, if no one engages. You know, if no one talks to you, you're kind of, you're just shouting into the abyss, aren't you? Yeah. And it becomes a little bit sad then, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Top three selected. You probably gathered now that I'm a bit of a list nerd. Oh, we all yeah when you were on trees and nylon i was asking you for a top, top three, three MC. mcs i think i'm gonna ask you for another top three now yeah who are your top three best dressed internet fashion geeks and i mean geeks in the kind of mm. loveliest way possible term of endearment um the first guy springs to mind is uh mr Moore. mordecai rubenstein i think he's been um, throwing fitz guest at some point he has maybe I'm not sure his precise background. I know he was like a photographer at Pitty at one time. I've seen some old pictures of him. He's been like a stylist or a consultant on Uncut Gems. But like a typical fit from him would be like a a real primary coloured sort of or like candy coloured Patagonia, like snap tea, uh, snap fleece, yeah. whatever with like a dress shirt and a tie underneath and like a, a beanie and then, you know, some some sort of voluminous pants and some Birkenstocks or, or something like that. Just, I love people that are just so confident in themselves and like absolutely like love, they love this shit. You can tell they chew your ear off about anything that yeah. they're wearing. And I love that. And drawing influence from disparate, uh, influences yes yeah. like, or just have it having their own style that is uniquely theirs like I don't I can't think of anyone else that dresses like this guy yeah 
um, and everything that he posts is like a bit of a surprise, you know. That's very joyful and it's kind of eccentric in the best way. Like mm. it's something that I aspire to, I think. But does it always, even though it's a surprise, does it always seem authentically him? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's move on to your next one. Next Who else one. have you got for us? It's got to be Nigel Cabourne, for sure. Legend. legend yeah, yeah, massive legend. I've had a couple of opportunities to meet him mm. in the flesh when I worked at Ted Baker. I uh, used to come in because he was quite matey with the, the former boss there. And um, But I was always too just like shook to say hello. He was a very big, gregarious character. Yeah, it seems so. But I felt like no one else in the office at that time knew who he was and I felt he would have appreciated it if I'd have said hello but you know he obviously wears his all his own clothes and it's so you know his silhouette is like you know iconic and iconic super and influential as well like yeah. you know we've talked about uh, Japan always being futuristic but mm. the kids it feels to me like a lot of the coolest kids in Japan are kind of dressing like mm. Nigel Cable was 10 years ago yeah I mean for a guy who's in his what 70s maybe gotta be yeah to have that kind of influence yeah. on it uh, one of the coolest youth yeah. cultures in the world is pretty fucking cool but it's the shapes and the proportions of the stuff that he wears because a lot of people there there is a, a kind of a genre genre of bloke that will just wear kind of milsurp like uh kind of real mccoy's yeah type stuff workwear buzz ricks and buzz ricks and yeah and I don't, I'm not knocking that stuff at all. I think I think it's great, but like that—that's one way of looking at kind of you know America, heritage workwear and stuff like that. Yeah, he he takes it and he's he's plays with the proportions a bit more and like his 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 silhouette is so like. I mean, you talk about silhouette, you probably could recognise him from an actual silhouette this is what on I mean. the wall. Like, like, I, literally, yeah, yeah, from like you know the baggy baggy pants with the big tweeny shoes. Yeah. You know, in the kind of flipped up cap. I think he's awesome. Well, this is uh, shaping up to be quite a top three at the moment. Who are you going to cap it off with? I, I, a guy that I know less about, probably have less to say about. Um, he was a consultant, I think, um, at Reebok for many years. And um, and then has recently moved to Levi's. Uh, but I think his name's Leo Gamboa. Leoneski. Okay. Is his Yeah. Handle. Yeah. He doesn't post an awful lot. Okay. And he was never like, I'm out here, look at my fits type guy. He was like, I don't know, not even, not even a mood board, just like good taste, bit of a, ta a tastemaker, I would say. And he like put me onto brands that I didn't know existed, like Montbell, you know, going back to like 2017, 2018. So I think he's like a design cons like consultant or kind of he works on special projects at brands like that so he'll do the collaboration stuff sick top three man definitive loved it yeah i'd like to touch a little bit on the art of copying gear uh, some of my favorite brands are really at a price point mm. or weren't really at a price point that i could afford on as regular a basis as my compulsions would like them mm. to be how do you buy most of your clothes um, what do the different like modes of shopping online, mm. secondhand, vintage, like in shop, how do they affect how you feel about the clothes? Mm. I wouldn't say I've ever bought something secondhand and thought it's lesser because of it, you know. Um, in fact, if I can buy something like 
I bought a pair of New Balance like not that long ago that were like he'd he'd not mistreated them, but like he'd worn them a bit, you know, and they were a bit they could have used a bit of a wipe down. But once I gave him a brush and they were good as new, mm. but he listed them for like I don't know like seventy five quid. And these were like 140 pound shoes. Yeah. But he must have worn them a couple of times. And I thought, that's the result. Old like 990s? Yes. Uh, yeah. 980s? The okay. kind of lesser, yeah. the lesser known kind of made in US. So I always kind of see like eBay bargains as like a bit of a win for yeah. sure. I can't enjoy the getting something for a good price. Same. It's very rare that I'll pay full price mm. in store. Like this was like 50% off. Yeah. And it just felt like kind of, it was the last one. It was too good. And they were giving me the whole sales pitch sort of thing. It's, it's robbing Peter to pay Paul, I think, a lot of it. It's like, you know, you, you have kind of a stock of, of stuff that you've accumulated over the years. And you just, you just kind of, you sell things to fund new things. And mm. Does it feel good to you, the art of the flip? I mean, like, obviously... You wear it for a bit and then you sell it for the same price that you bought it for. That's, that's, yeah. that's the result, isn't that's it? You feel like you've got a free clothes. And it's a reason to buy good stuff because it remains, it retains its value. It really yeah. does. And if you're, you know, you're a forward-looking person that does their research, you can often buy something and then flip it for more than it was yeah. because, you know, you're ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, I did that with a pair of Danners. That's probably the, the best the thing I snapped up was like... Someone put a pair of Dana lights on eBay and didn't know what model it was. So they kind of listed it wrong. And it just said, like, Dana boots. And I found them. And they'd left the insole in, Superfeet insoles. Okay. So it said Dana Superfeet. So someone had just gone, oh, I don't know, that's, that yeah. must be it. And they went on. They must have gone under the radar because I snapped them up for 70, 70 quid. And these are £360 yeah. pound boots. They ne they never fit right. They hurt. They killed my Achilles, <laughs> and I had, it like pains me to have let them go. But um, moved them on for more than you bought them for. Hundred percent. Just wrote it. Uh, on, oil Lukey style on, description on Instagram as well. Yeah. I you know I've done a few like story sales. Yeah. And they go like. So you enjoy the eBay part of it? That's a bit of a buzz. The kind. Yeah, of I feel like the Depop is like just full of disrespectful kids <laughs> just like lowball you and you know like there's everyone's it's quite toxic like everyone's quite heated you know from from the jump Deep drama man yeah maybe that's it they're trying to get on there but um i've got in not got into some sort of you know altercations but yeah never sent anything purposefully solid rude, to a buyer rude and like blunt sometimes okay. i've not experienced this I've, I've used Depop quite a lot and I've, I've not been burned touch wood um, mm. but also people not following through on yeah man stuff which is annoying but that happens everywhere but, and then Grailed is like just a bit of a dead platform okay like any, nothing moves on there I've never really sold anything on there mm. I've certainly not bought off there um, I've looked bought off there yeah got some good stuff off there yeah Hockers, bought some tours off there engineer garment stuff but to sell i think because it's it's very u.s based and let's just talk a little tiny bit more about the in, the kind of in-store retail mm. experience because it's something i'd like to do more i keep telling myself stop buying stuff on the internet go and try it on and see if you want it like yeah is that something you like what percentage of your clothes would you say are in-store compared to online purchases wow like less than 10 percent, i mm. think 
I'd say yeah. probably not dissimilar. A lot of the stuff that I get off the internet, I think if I tried it on in a shop, I wouldn't buy it. And yeah. I think that's probably problematic. I think it depends on the level of, of investment you're talking about. Because like these, I got them from Stuart's London. Mm. And you the shoes? About, yeah, the yeah. power boots. And even at the time, they were like nearly 300 quid. And um, I'd saved for them. And um, but that they were so great in there, like really, like talked me through it, and you know, sort of told me about the potential pitfalls and stuff like that. And then I, I bought them, took them away, wore them for a week. I was like, these are like boats; they're too big, and they let me take them back because mm. they they understood that like I can't commit to these. Yeah, <laughs> I can't commit to paying nearly three hundred quid, and they let they let me get the next size. But, that's um, the, that's the kind that's of the difference. Yeah, you can't put a price on that kind of service, can you? Really, mm. and it is nice. It's nice connecting with a human being, yeah. especially people you know, independent sellers that are really passionate about mm. selling to people they care about. And they're disappearing as well. Yeah, need to support, man. Mm. Maybe when I'm incredibly rich, I'll just go in shops and start peeling off fucking yeah. bills. So now you're in the position of being given clothes by some brands. I always like bulk at the uh, term gifted. It sounds really clunky. Yeah, I, I mean, you I put, by by law, you know, it's poli- not law, but it's policy. You have to put it on posts. Okay. People think, I don't think people know that. People think that you're just going hashtag gifted yeah. to flex or like, I don't know. Yeah. But like, it, it, it can get your account compromised. You know? Wow. You don't do it. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that at all. I, I kind of knew that people did it I didn't know who the, who you're answering to legally. You're not going to get sacked from your own self, are you? Like no, but no, but I don't. I feel like I'm on the edge with Instagram. With uh, okay, I might get banned. But how does the gifting aspect mm. of receiving clothes free affect how you feel about? Do you feel more mm. disposable, or do you feel mm. like really obviously, lucky to have them? Yeah, it's look, a mixture. I'm, I'm assuming it's obviously like a really privileged position to be in, and like not not everyone gets this and to, I'm not going to sit here and knock it because of course like you know anyone in my position would probably be like yeah <laughs> and obviously I'm grateful but yeah I think there is there's something to be said that it might too much of it can devalue what you already have maybe because I, I feel like I've always kept quite an edited wardrobe and never had too much stuff so something that's something i'm getting used to suddenly just having an influx of mm. of gear because i like to have a reason to own like i don't I like having multiples of things i just kind of want each piece to do its job or is that for your for filler mental clarity like i think so but also just not being because i think once you open it up to having oh i need three of this it, it, then it's almost having control over your spending i think as well yeah being like i don't need three shells or like i don't need you know yeah i think it's something that if you've got mates that are the same size and you can give stuff away to them that's well the, yeah i mean the I, like, I like to spread it around yeah let's have a little chat about the great outdoors because i know that's a massive part of your life and it's part of my life how important is it to you and especially in terms of kind of getting your head in a good position, because mm. I know that's something you've been quite yeah. open about. Yeah, it's become a bit of a, a crutch, really. It's almost like I need I need to do it every few weeks, especially living in town. I've never really, you know, it does get me down. 
the city, I think, especially in winter, and I, I do need to escape. But there, it, there isn't a cure-all. You know, it's not, it's, you know, you don't. Even sometimes I'll be coming down off the hills and it's like I'm, I'm slipping back into either negative thoughts or, or anxiety about, the next day or whatever and it's like even how, on the way how, even how on the quickly. way back when you're still on the adventure it's exactly i feel like because it's when you're out there you're only thinking about you know not not staying alive that's too dramatic but kind of you know your, your little tasks that you have to do to be comfortable and like eat mm. and stay warm and all that kind of stuff so you're not actually thinking about anything else but that's really as, clarifying isn't it that's really cleansing of a direct purpose yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um back, back to basics um so and i found myself just you know getting the fear on the way down off the hills you know like because it's i'm now like i'm safe again or whatever mm. but yeah like i say it's not it's not uh, it's not a cure-all i i kind of think of mental health as holistically like you've got to do you got to do a few different things it's like it's like diet and exercise and yeah. hobbies and sleep and maintaining friendships and all these things that you need to do to be happy but you've still got to do the work and you know that means therapy or cbt or like self-help whatever it may be and you know i've tried it you know i've tried tried the cbt the kind of talking therapy or like writing a journal things like that years and years ago i didn't didn't get on with it too well but um yeah you can't you can't rely on any one thing too much because when it goes you're kind of in trouble so like yeah. i can't just be like i need hiking to stay sane i heard about you know the therapy where you do the eye movement thing whilst you recount um traumatic experiences of your past have you heard of that? Not one? heard of that. No. So a therapist will talk you through a traumatic experience in your life and move something in front of your eyes side mm. to side. And the act of that is meant to help you process your traumatic experiences. Mm. Um, sounds a little bit spurious, but mm. I've heard it from very good sources that it works. Yeah. And I've heard also that that left to right flickering of your eyes kind of mimics what you do on a walk. So when you are out doing a hike or something like that, you're doing a lot of left to right and right to left eye movement, which I think is specifically good for, you know, if, especially if you're on that walk with someone that you might be discussing some mm. mental health issue mm. with, it might have a double kind of impactful. Yeah. You've got the exercise, you've got the camaraderie, and you've also yeah. got this quite physiological healing going yes. on. So yeah. might be worth having a little look into. That sounds interesting. Next hype. Have you got your eye on anything in particular at the moment? No, I feel like I've ticked off like a lot of the grails. Yeah, you know, that's a good place been to on be. The, like I was saying about the Pinterest, it's gradually got smaller and smaller, which is, you know, that's a good thing. Pain comes from wanting, as they say, <laughs> you know, like to get all Buddhist on you. But, you know, I want, kind of want less and less stuff. Does that feel good to want less? Like, Yeah, of course. Mm. And it's true, just like... You know, coveting, and coveting stuff is not good for you. Yeah, I don't mean to have to have more. I mean to want less is must be, a, yeah, quite a nice place to be in. Mm. Big yeah, up, man. Long may the non not longing for I more stuff the, yeah, continue. The, the, the wardrobe will only get more more edited. No, there's there's a couple of things. You know, I think I'd like to get back into like my menswear roots. You know, get a suit, suit. again. Yeah, 
but then there's the thing is there's no there's kind of no place for it anymore yeah i don't wear it to work yeah when am i gonna wear like have you had wedding season with your mates yet like I've um been, just I've, the one yeah and i didn't at the time i was too skint to you know really splash on anything yeah i think i bought like a a blazer from jigsaw and some like uniqlo sort of you know suit pants mm. gh bass loafers and you know, just like a just a shirt but yeah no not not back-to-back weddings just the one it probably sounds like you've got a glut to come because i found a very specific time in my life where it was like no weddings then all of a sudden yeah, consecutive weekends yeah and i think if you make sure you've got your suit pot ready to go yeah then you're gonna have a fly suit when your wedding season best. comes around. i think the no the next thing is like i'm i'm big into like all the drake stuff I mean, that's very much menswear isn't it it's, it's menswear but it's it's kind of I want to say casual. It's like it's dressed down. It's elegant, but it's yeah. super dressed down. The suits are cotton, and you know, you got Oxford shirts, and you know, they'll, they'll wear fleeces, and and um, it's yeah, this kind this kind of stuff. You know, you've like paisley silk scarves and silk ties, and I'm looking forward to fit pics and accompanying captions when you. Uh... Yeah, it's like there's a I, I play around with like Ivy style stuff yeah. now and again. But I don't have too much of it, you know. Like I've got this like jungle jacket, the Vietnam jacket. It's not an M sixty five, but it's good, you know, the one with the slanted pocket. Yeah, yeah. And I'd love to wear that with like a, a sort of proper smart Oxford with a nice sort of Windsor knot paisley tie. There's definitely an uh, Armé Léon Doré influence as well, I think. Yeah, they don't often go into the sale, do they? <laughs> nah. I thought all that Drake's collab stuff was cool, but it was very partridge. Did you see it? Drake's Proper, and like, ALD. Yeah. Right. Double-breasted, like, oh, rogue, yeah, bro- right. blazers with, like, stripey... Yeah, you know, photo Alan, shoots for Alan that was Partridge so sick. ...tie and blazer badge yeah. uh, set. Those big, like, high-lofted uh, New York apartments with, like, an artfully-placed American football and mm. a piano. This, the the shots mm. were class. So, you have a pretty timeless style, Luke, and... I know you actively buy with longevity in mind. What do you see yourself wearing over the next three, four decades? Three, four decades. I'd like to get progressively more like eccentric. But as we were saying with my dad, you know, practicality is going to come into it. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if I have kids, it's like I'm not going to be one of wearing a, a mohair. It's <laughs> carnage, do you know what I mean? Cleaning vomit on mohair is not Yeah, vomit and porridge and whatever and snot in it. I feel like the stuff that I most, for the most part, is it's hard wearing for sure. Mm. Like even, the, even the engineered garment stuff, it's like, it's like you're wearing body armour sometimes. That's super yeah. interesting that you want to get more eccentric though, because obviously the normal trajectory is to become more conservative as you get older. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I, you know those sort of blokes that are like Al Pacino age, and they they suddenly get these like big thick rimmed spectacles. How is your eyesight? Not great. I I, I lost my glasses in the. Oh, I've seen you in glasses day. actually. Yeah, the the wire rimmed brown ones. Gutted man, they were lovely. That's my second pair. Shit, in two years. Okay, well maybe it's time for the Al Pacino heavy yeah. frames. Yeah, I kind of want to evolve into that guy. There's um a writer called David Sedaris. Do you know him? I don't. Um, he's an American humorist. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of a wanky <laughs> title, but like, he's very funny. He writes uh, sort of short stories and stuff. But he, he um, he's a massive Capital fan. Okay. 
I feel like that's something I could, you know, lean into. Lean into. Sick, yeah. Man. Yeah, I think you can get away with a lot more when you're older because, like, mm. you get judged less, don't you? What's anyone going to say? Like, mm. you might as well lean into your passions. And I think, yeah, generally you get a bit richer when you're older. Fingers mm. crossed. Like, I don't know, fuck knows what's going to happen with us. Like, we'll probably be trying to buy houses when we're 60 instead of buying capital uh, sweatshirts. But. Final question I've got for you, Luke, is currently, mm. on a scale of one to ten, how much do you care about clothes? <laughs> uh, yeah, t- too much. I, I would, t- I would call it a bit of a curse, really, in the sense that you're just like always on. You just like you never stop scanning like a T one thousand. Just kind of like not even like appraising people's clothes like that. It's not like that. It's just you sort of interested and intrigued about why why they chose that or like you know what made that man wear sort of tanned square-toed slip-on loafers from shoe zone like what everyone does have the reasons though i always find that endlessly fascinating like people don't buy things because they don't know they actively make those decisions to buy things and i find that everyone's kind of got the reasons for dressing how we do and i think that's dead interesting yeah but i think i think kanye said something like i a few years ago, I want to get down on the floor and sort out everyone's trouser leg. <laughs> I was like, I, f- I felt that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You just want to, you just want to kind of fix, yeah, do little style, styling changes to improve someone's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just little small things you could do. So obviously, you care too much. Do you not have down times? Like, I, I'm kind of imagining that when you're at home, you've got beautiful camber tracksuit like that's your downtime I, yeah. have, I have times when I look like sh- I'm not saying I look amazing all the time but I definitely have times where I do not give a fuck like if I yeah. was to give you a number I'd probably say eight and a half are you yeah I'm gonna say eight because you don't want it to be your entire personality mm. you know no, <laughs> it would be easy to yeah it would be easy to do but considering I don't work directly in fashion it's like I feel like it has to be that it's it's not my life but yeah forms a big part of me well it's been boss speaking to you dude i've uh, thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it yeah um i've got a lot of things to look up on google which i'll do later on when i edit the episode thanks a million for coming on thanks for having me mate cheers Oh, I totally buzzed off that one. Luke is a ledge. Big thanks to him for coming on. Big thanks to you lot for listening. And a big shout out this week to my musical contributors, Oscar Kenny and Sam Black. If you like the tunes we use here on My Own Garms, get onto these guys. Oscar is Oscar Graham with about 20 underscores. And Sam Black is at samblack.jpg. That is a wrap for this ep. We will see you on the next one. Social skills and Trust me, it feels amazing Strangers Oh, I can't so much about strangers